as they were getting handed out, I was passed by initially and I said, don't give it to the, 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 the man of more respect, the more mature fella. Give him his first before you give it to me. And then I got passed up. And, and, and you know, the cool thing was, was like, all right, you know what that means. I'm going to accept the award for the fathers that are watching online right now. And uh, I'll, I'll tell you how it was in about a week. So, um, yeah, we, we have some extras here. They're not really extras because we do have those fathers out there. And, uh, but, but because of I was last, I'm going to have a few of these. That's what, no, I'm just playing. Um, no, you start getting older, man, and uh, it, it's something else. Well, happy Father's Day, and welcome back to the kids uh, from camp. It's good to see you. It's great to see you. I'm going to do a little communion message here, and then we're going to get into our camp festivities. You know, as you, you start to get a little older, just a little bit, you enjoy watching the kids uh, more than you did when you were thinking that you were still a kid. Yeah. <laughs> I want to ask you this question. Um, let, me, let me first say this. Uh, I, I do want to send a, a condolence. I want to acknowledge um, those people that are grieving uh, the loss of a father, um, maybe a challenging relationship. Yeah, Mark, you're going to have to move around a little bit. Challenging, challenging relationship. Uh, with with your father or or maybe even never having an opportunity to experience your father right those things are huge and uh, we don't want to leave those things out I also want to um, just uh, I want to say a a big thank you to our God and and to the church you know I think about being a father it's a challenge um, when you start to understand the magnitude of God as a father to come up here and to share because you you when you put yourself in the place of looking at God as a father the responsibility of a father and and where you're at it's like oh man I've thank you for God's grace Um, but I will say this there's something to the kingdom of God and and it's really cool because everything that I'm not in a father every area that I'm weak as a father there's somebody in the kingdom of God that exhibits that characteristic. And so there is a beauty in being able to grow up in the church as young folk today. Um, And there's also a viewpoint that I'd love for you guys to embrace that, you know, sometimes when we think about Father's Day and and those types of things, we automatically think of what we're not or what is not. But we have it all around us. And more importantly, Mom, you're not going to have that baby right now, right? Okay. So it was getting ready to be a really good Father's Day for Ethan up in this one. We're praying for you. We're praying for you. Um, why don't I pray and we'll jump in? God, we uh, lift up this time to you. And uh, I pray, Father, just to be a microphone of what you want shared. Uh, we do lift up the Father's. Uh, of the world, we lift you up as the eternal, uh, the most important father. Uh, We thank you uh, for the opportunities that we get to see in our own lives as fathers uh, where uh, we're failures, you're perfect. 
and it just reminds us of what a good God you are. Uh, we pray that you would direct and guide this time, and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, amen. amen. So the passage that, I, when you think about the qualities of a father, what do you value most? What do you value most? One word. Respect. Friendship. Love. Protection. Happiness. Anybody else? Time. Consistency. Strength. Wisdom. Ask you that question because we all have, in the midst of the Bible, the biblical theology, we have a Bible, we have a theology that we preach and that we live. Sometimes it's the things that we have missed. Maybe it's not a father figure, maybe it's an authority figure, or some event that's happened in our lives that has brought us to this point where. Um, maybe we think about God in the way that we think about authority in our lives. And I ask you these questions because when you think about those things, think about your father, think about those authority figures in your life, think about them. And I don't want you to, we're not, you know, we're not bashing fathers today. Amen? The reality is, is it's like the news. We think about the things that we are, are bad. What do we listen to? Bad news or we stop listening to the news, yeah? But we very often forget about the good things that are going on. We kind of overlook those things. We take them for granted. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I think about my stepfather, um, chief budget analyst for the highway patrol. I remember watching him night after night with his graph paper, writing up graphs, writing up proposals, and I remember seeing him talking through those proposals, pacing in the kitchen. Yeah. And I remember him saying to me, Brandall, in this world, you're going to have to be twice as good as anybody that you come up against. I still remember that today. I also remember how he would do that, and he would walk around, and he would drink his Miller High Life. He'd always go get a, a case of Miller High Life, and I was just like, man, this guy's kind of going through that Miller High Life. And he would just go through it, and he'd be talking, and then he'd walk, and he'd be talking, and he'd be doing all of this stuff. And, and I never really realized that, but that's what I do in preparation. Not the, the Miller High Life. <laughs> But I never thought about that. But, but I got that from him. I saw him do that, and, and I took that on. I, I get a lot of information, and I boil it down, and I talk through it. Yeah? I write it down on graphs. I got a vision board. Yeah? I walk around with these all the time. This is, my, this is how I get down. I got it from my dad. My biological father, I didn't get to spend a lot of time with him. But everybody that I've come across that said something about my biological father, they say, he could train, he could teach anybody. Didn't matter how bad they were. He had the patience, he had the ability to catch people where they were and help them to grow. 
He could do that better than a lot of people. Oh, your dad had a lot of stories. When I met him and my son watched us, he's like, you guys are a mirror image of each other. There came this point in time when it just, I was watching him interacting with my family, and I had this weird thought. I was like, man, what would have been, what, what kind of person would I have been, a basketball player especially, because he had all these accolades, would I have been if I got to grow up with him teaching me how to play? And I looked at him, and I watched him, and I immediately felt sad. And I walked out of the room, and I went and I laid down. And I just laid in the bed, and I just was contemplating. And I, I, I didn't know, but I, I felt sad. I felt depressed. I felt like I was, I was kind of cheated out of something. Yeah? yeah? You know what my step, stepmom said to me? She said, you know what your dad would, would do when we'd have people over? He would just get up and leave the room. And he'd go lay down, and he wouldn't even come back. He wouldn't excuse himself, nothing. And I thought to myself, and Wendy's going, hmm. <laughs> I wonder what he was thinking. Now, let me tie this together. When I walked out of the room and I was trying to hold my emotions, I, I was watching my son and I was like, man, he gets opportunity, all, all this stuff. And I looked and I saw him glance at me. Yeah? He kept doing what he did, but then he got up, he went and laid in his room, and he had pancreatic cancer. He went and laid in his room, and he laid down, and he didn't get up. And there was just a different aura when we were together. From that point on, I was like, Dad, how you doing? He was just kind of quiet. And I thought to myself, did he see me, and was he reminded of? Then I wondered what it was like for him growing up. Why do I say all of this? To the extent that we know ourselves and we know God is to the extent that we'll be able to share the gospel message, right. Right. to share it authentically. Yeah. Our goal in this time as we're going through this, this, this being on mission point is this. The goal is, is that we can all articulate and actively live out the gospel message individually and corporately. Let me say that again. The goal of our time, as we've gone through Acts, as we've gone through Mark, is, is that we're able to articulate and actively live out the gospel message individually and corporately. Now, why is that important? If you can talk about the message, but you don't live it out, it's not very authentic. It becomes unsustainable. You're less resilient. Does that make sense? John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, 
but have everlasting life. That's our scripture. Our thought is this. When you think about God as a father, God is love. God is love. If there's nothing that you take away from this time, it's God is love. Now, if he's your father, wouldn't you, wouldn't we exhibit those same characteristics? We can think about all of the different things that, that God is. We can think of all of the things that Jesus did. And our theology, the way that we preach may, may be steeped around one thing that we feel like is important that we need in our lives. And I'm going to get deep here real quick. Our theology is often shaped by things that we desire in our lives. Three words that I want you to remember about our God that I believe everybody desires in life for themselves. Yeah. And because they don't see them, they don't understand them or they're using one of the other things to to shield themselves. It, it, it helps them to not see God for who he really is. These three words are and they're very important to, to everyone. Provision. Protection. And presence. Now, when I asked you guys characteristics, what did you say? You said those three things in some form or fashion, didn't you? Provision, we all want to be provided for. Yeah? We all want to be protected. And we all desire presence. Now, if one of those things was missing in your life on some level, that is something that you desire. And that might be the thing that you preach the most, that you actively talk about the most that you, you want to experience and you desire it. You desire from your spouse. You desire from your, your, your brothers and sisters. You desire it from the church. You desire it from the world. We want to be protected. What do we feel like when we're not protected? It's quick. We're quick to go. God's not, not doing his thing. Yeah? What do we feel like when we're not provided for? And mind you, provided for how we believe we should be provided for. I mean, think about God in, in, in provision and how he provided for the Israelites. What about presence? How many of us are okay being alone? I mean, when you start to understand scripture, the Holy Spirit speaks into your hearts. You, you, all of these things become an issue. You desire them. And the cool thing about the kingdom of God is, is that's where you get all of it. Amen? Why is this important? That God is love, that we understand that, that we preach a actively live a theology that speaks to who God really is on every level. Why is it important? What did Jesus say? In John, he said, people will, you know, will know you're my disciples by your love for what? One another. I want to ask you this question. What do you think about when you hear the word love? You know, some people think of love as soft. 
some people think of love as, as, oh, you just let people do whatever they want to do. Some people think of love as, you need to let me do whatever I want to do. But, but what is God's love? Sacrifice. So if God is our father, do we live sacrificial lives? Do we live sacrificial lives? And now I don't talk, I'm not talking about giving out of, of your abundance. I'm not talking about giving where you've, but we have those areas in our lives where, where we're called to be sacrificial. Now in 1 John in chapter 4, um, 1 John, this, this is, is put together and shared in the sense of so that you don't get caught up in false teaching. So the people that come after me won't, won't, Throw you into air. First John chapter four. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to discern, determine if they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you know the spirit of God. Every spirit who confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. You have heard that he is coming and he is already in the world now. You are from God, little children. Amen. And you have conquered them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, what they say is from the world and the world listens to them. We are from God. Anyone who knows God listens to us and anyone who is not from God does not listen to us. That's challenging. From this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of deception. Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his son, his one and only son, into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists of this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the appropriation, the sacrifice, the, the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us and his love is perfected in us. This love is, is sacrificial. Scripture says that greater love has no man than this than to lay down his life for his friends. That's a challenge, church, because I think sometimes we're ready for, to sacrifice for people outside of this group more than we are for each other. And, and I'm preaching to myself. We have those moments. I say this to say that if we know our father, if we understand our father, we live the same way that he does. Why? What does it mean to be a blessing? It means to turn people on to the idea of being rescued from sin. 
Remember who you were before you became a Christian. On your best day, you were disconnected from God. You couldn't make it on your own. You did all of these things to try to redeem yourself. Maybe you haven't run out yet. Maybe you did run out. You remember that. And then when you become a Christian, you move into this place as time goes on where you do the same thing that God does. You're a person that is built and understand your being and you being here is about you being someone who restores people to God. Throughout scripture, there's three themes that happen. One is rescue. The other is redemption, being redeemed. And the third is restoration. Does your life speak to any of those? There's this infantile stage when it's all about us and we're about being rescued and everything is about us being rescued, yeah? It happens, you know what I'm saying? Even as a mature individual, we can get caught up in ourselves. I mean, think about it. When you were born, were you, were you right with God? You go, well, I, I never sinned, but you had a sinful nature. You had a sinful flesh. Think about it. How many kids come out of the womb, and the first thing they do is go, Mother, Father, I want to serve you. <laughs> they don't ever say that, do they? I, they don't. What do they say? I wanna, 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 I wanna. Now, isn't that the beginning of our sinful nature? Isn't that where Adam and Eve started at? I wanna, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna. That's like a marker of where you're at spiritually, you know, on that given day. Does that make sense? You're listening to I wanna, I wanna. You start praying. You know, the cool part is, is that we don't have to reinvent rescue. We don't have to reinvent being redeemed. We don't have to reinvent the idea of restoration. We're charged with being humble and believing it. The work has already been done. Do you believe it? Whether you believe it or not, as scripture says all over the place, will depend on not what you articulate, but how you actively live. What an incredible father we have. When we think about being sacrificial, he gave himself. Jesus, Philippians chapter 2, he made himself nothing. Think about that. In any situation that you're in and there's challenges to make yourself nothing. Not, not for you, not for them, but for the glory of God. Are you a person that in your relationships, are you a person that when you go out and you're at Walmart 
And I say Walmart because they're the only ones that are selling cards now. <laughs> no, I'm playing. Baseball cards, football cards. Do you have the mindset of somebody that is coming as a representative of your father to rescue people? In your relationships within the kingdom, fathers, at work, at school, are you a redeemer? Do you bring that, that, that spirit of your father that you want to redeem people, you want them to feel redeemed. You matter. You're all right just how you are. Now, we're going to grow just over the course of time. If we follow, we either grow down or we grow up. Man, no side to side. Are you a redeemer? Are you a restorer? You know, God and his relationship with Adam and Eve at the very beginning, that's what restoration is. We want people to be, be in a place where they walk with God. Yeah? You have to be rescued first. And that's through Jesus. And only through Jesus. He is the atonement for our sins. His blood, his body redeems us and puts us in right standing with God. And when we're once, uh, once, once we're in that right standing with God, we, we go to this place where over the course of time, we, we become people that, that regenerate the life of Jesus. And it becomes our, our mindset to go into this place of restoration to become more and more like Jesus every day and less and less like we were before we knew him. Our marker is scripture. Yeah. So how do I, how do I, what does redeemed look like? Let me, let me give you another word, covenant. In the Old Testament, how did God redeem his people? He rescued them from, from Egypt, yeah. He got them out in the wilderness and he gave them a covenant. Yeah, they made a covenant together and then he was taking them to the promised line. That was restoration. God is love. Because of him, we can live this way. Let's pray and we'll take communion. God, thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you so much that the idea of dying for us while we were yet sinners, Jesus still did it. We ask your forgiveness for the times that we're looking for, for the perfect situation to die in because it will cost less. Father, we thank you so much for the example of sacrifice. We're challenged, but we're overjoyed that you're our father, that we get to bask in your love and that it's perfect and that it never runs out. We thank you for Jesus and his example of who the people that he, he, he spent time with, the contrast between him and the teachers of the law. God, we're thankful that you're consistent in the way that you were in the Old Testament was always about rescue, redemption, and restoration. 
We thank you, Father, that we get to experience it. We thank you for the challenges that call us to a deeper understanding of us not being God, but you are. Thank you for being a perfect father. Thank you for the example that has stood the test of time of what real love is. We accept it and we embrace it right now. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the example. And thank you for allowing us to see the victory in that. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. How did I ever get this far? After